0: all one word, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. Isn't it time to tell your story? I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts a podcast dedicated to my daughter Kristen and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. This is part one of a two-part story with Olivia. Like so many women who were swept up by dating abuse, And domestic violence. Olivia fell for a guy who knew just how to entice her into his web. One of the key ways an abuser traps his target is to move everything along faster than she can say no. You will hear examples play out in this two-part interview with Olivia. Let me warn you, this story could trigger memories for some listeners, so take care of yourself. Another warning is, the language in this story is not intended to be heard by children. Thank you for joining us today on the When Dating Hurts podcast. Looking forward to speaking with you. And I know you've been on some other podcasts telling your stories. So, Olivia, let me say hi.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, on the podcast. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Maybe just give us a sense of what you were up to, what your life was like, roughly maybe what age you were or whatever you were doing before you ran into trouble in a relationship or so.
1: So I was going to school for economics and minoring in business at the University of Southern Maine. And throughout the time that I had been in college, I was actually in a long distance relationship with my ex and he was a really sweet guy. I was in a long distance relationship with a really great guy. We just ended up kind of going different paths and I was trying to force something that just wasn't there anymore. Ended up moving back to my hometown to try to make it work with him. I just was very unhappy. He wasn't very motivated. I felt that I was. And I got very wooed because I had kind of bumped into another individual at networking events. We were in the same industry and I was always very attracted to him. He was charming, always giving me the awards that he won at different events and kind of stayed connected. And one day I got a message from him on LinkedIn immediately my heart just kind of stopped because i was like oh my goodness i have kind of a little bit of a crush on this guy so i ended up having a conversation back and forth with him we were talking about getting together for drinks sometime which i was trying to rationalize and trying to make myself feel that that was appropriate because i've gone to drinks with other people for business purposes at this time i was like you know i'm really attracted to this individual so going out to drink with him while i have a fiance because my ex was my fiance i was like just isn't appropriate i had been trying to force my high school relationship and it just wasn't working so i ended up actually ending the engagement for the right reasons but then i decided to pursue something with this other individual Uh the other individual and i he's my abuser he was really charming right from the beginning we ended up connecting at this time i had lived in northern maine and he lived in southern maine which is where i had gone to college okay that's where i had also met him and so we were kind of chatting back and forth and he was like i'll drive you know 6 hours tonight to see you and i was like you'll drive 6 hours to see me that's a little little bizarre but I kind of dismissed a lot of red flags that had happened in the beginning. Just us connecting, me driving halfway down to meet him. Basically, there was a lot of red flags in the beginning that I had dismissed. I won't get too much into them unless you want to know more about that.
0: I'm going to ask you a question, and I, have a, I, know, the, I know probably what the answer is, but I wanted you to tell our audience was looking back in a general way. When you think of red flags, what is your definition of red flags? It's generally speaking, not like a list of what they are.
1: Yep. Now, so at the time, I dismissed a lot of these red flags because I thought that it was love. Yes. I thought that it was somebody who was very infatuated with me, somebody who was in a cute way obsessed with me. Mm -hmm. So just being very persistent, very charming, super committed right from the beginning, talking about how I'm the one for him. Yes. And just always wanting to know where I am, what I'm doing, sending me constant text messages, constantly calling me. And I, at the time was very flattered because I am a survivor of childhood abuse. So I actually at 18 years old had parted ways with my family. I knew that that was the best thing for me. And I had been on my own ever since. And this new relationship was something that my previous relationship didn't really provide for me. So when I say provide, I mean, having flowers delivered to work, just a lot of gifts, a lot of, it just felt like love. I was like, wow, this person is so obsessed with me. And now in hindsight, I recognize those as red flags. Somebody who buys you diamond earrings before they even know whether you have your ears pierced or not is a red flag. I didn't even have my ears
0: pierced. Oh, no kidding. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was just like, my friend was like, that's a red flag. And I was like, no, it's not. I mean, he-
0: So you actually had, was a woman friend of yours?
1: Yeah, so I had a woman friend who is actually much older than me. So I'm, well, I say much older, but I'm 24 and she's 36. So she has lived a lot more life than me. She's more of a big sister. Uh And I was super excited about this new thing. And she was super supportive in the beginning because she knew that my high school relationship had died. And I was trying to force an engagement. And she kept saying, you're not going to get married to this person. I mean, you're just, Uh, you've outgrown him. uh, So when she knew about this other individual, uh, she was super supportive. Like, yeah, go on the dates, have fun, enjoy yourself. And then I was so excited about how everything was going and what it was turning into. And so I started sharing the details. Like, oh my goodness, he had flowers delivered to my work. Oh, he bought me diamond earrings and, Oh, he showed me his bank account because he's also a saver like me.
0: Wow. And she
1: was like, those are red flags. And I said, no, they're not. He just, he showed me his bank account because he wanted to prove to me that he is a saver just like me.
0: How long had you known him before the bank account shows up?
1: Five days. Oh, no. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I didn't guess five days. Didn't guess five days. Yeah. Well, one of the things I just wanted to interject again, for the sake of those listening is that oftentimes red flags, I mean, they're all the things that you want to experience. I mean, you want those things to happen, but they're coming at you fast and furiously. So,
2: exactly. you
0: know, it's not like someone tells you they love you after a couple of months. It might be after a couple of dates.
1: It, it was, you say that, I mean, it was, day number one. And I was like very taken off guard when he said, I love you the first date. And I didn't say it back because it just felt very weird, but I was having so much fun with him. He was so funny and so charming. And he opened my car door and brought me to a fancy restaurant and had the flowers delivered to me at work and just kind of was doing all of these things that I had never received.
0: The wonderful love bombing Personified. Yeah, Yeah, this is an extreme love bombing trip.
1: Yeah, and it was just the beginning, which is so crazy to me. I felt very connected with him right from the beginning. But when I was telling my friend about these red flags, she said, one, a grown man doesn't show his bank account information, first of all. Second, he bought you diamond earrings. You don't have your ears pierced. And I said, I'm going to get them pierced. And she said, that's not the point. The point is that those things are not coming without expectations. Yes. I was like, what yeah. expectations? Like she was like, I'm just, these are red flags. And I made the mistake of going back to him and saying, yeah, my friend feels that you have a lot of red flags.
0: Oh, oh, now he needs to cut her out of the story. And that's
1: exactly what happened yes. is that the one person who was always in my ball field yes. was now being cut out because She's jealous that she doesn't have a man doing the same things for her. And she's this and she's that. And she just is jealous that you're successful. And she is. And and started to like really get into my head. So that was all full force. And one thing that I get embarrassed about, but I think it's important to talk about, is that my first date with him, I went out to dinner with him his sister brother-in-law and niece
2: oh
0: kind of meet the family huh
1: yeah and I thought that was weird and I said that I was like don't you think that's weird I mean we're not even in a relationship I'm just looking to get to know you and he was like I know we're not in a relationship but for me it's like when you know you know and like I just know with you so you know please and so I did. But what we ended up doing is so he was in Southern Maine, I was in Northern Maine at this time, we had planned to meet halfway. And I did make the agreement to stay in a hotel with him that weekend. I knew what I had thought was going to probably happen. And when I got down to the halfway point is when he kind of changed the plans and said, Well, why don't we get in my car, we'll drive an hour and a half south together so you don't have to drive alone. We'll go to dinner with my sister, brother-in-law, and niece. And we'll just stay in a hotel there. Hmm. So now I'm getting away from my vehicle. Yes. I felt uncomfortable about it, but I just kind of kept ignoring those because I was so excited about what this could be. Yes. So we got in his vehicle and we drove an hour and a half south. We went to dinner with them. I had a great time. I really enjoyed them. But I'm also a people person. I love everybody. It was that day before we had gone to dinner, it was around lunchtime that we had actually gotten to the area that we were going to be spending the night. And we stopped at Subway real quick, Uh grabbed some sandwiches to go back to the hotel and eat. When I got to the hotel, he immediately started trying to have sex with me. And I just wasn't comfortable yet. I was super like Not there. Uh, And I said, No, 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 I really want to eat first. And he kept trying. And I said, I just want to eat first. And he kept trying. And I said, I just want to eat first. And then he snapped at me and said, Okay. And he said, Okay, fuck, we'll eat first. And then I was kind of caught off guard and a little scared. So I just took my sandwich and I moved to the back of the bed and I started eating and then he just changed again. He was super nice and friendly and we were eating. And then once we finished, he continued to try. And I was like, I just don't want to right now. I just don't want to right now. But then he kept trying. And I thought to myself, well, did I lead him on? Because I, you know, we're in this hotel. Like I gave him a false impression Mm -hmm. of what's going to happen. And this is my fault. So I allowed him to just have sex with me, even though I didn't want to. Right. And so then after that, we went to dinner. We had a great time, went back to the hotel, and I had a great time at that point. I ignored all of those little red flags in my stomach saying, like, this isn't right. That was wrong. This was wrong. And it ended up turning into two months later, he proposed to me in front of his entire family on a golf
2: course with
1: a $10,000 ring, my dream ring. And what was really uncomfortable about that situation is that when we were getting to know each other, he had asked, you know, if you were to ever get proposed to, you know, what's your ideal proposal? Me thinking that we're just getting to know each other. I had told him, you know, one thing that I don't like is when people propose in front of their entire family. Mm -hmm. I want it to be very intimate. I want to have the opportunity to say no, if I don't want to. And he was like, Oh yeah, totally agree with all of that. And then he proposed to me in front of his entire family on a golf course with a $10,000 ring. Uh, uh. And so his family was super like excited and super pushy about post this on social media, post this here, post this there. And I was like, okay, well, I do like him. So maybe, you know, when you know, you know. And so I just kind of put it out there, even though we, so now at this point we're two months in. We're engaged and we're living together.
0: Oh, you're living together now.
1: We were living together after a month. That was so that I could get back down to Southern Maine, which is where I wanted to be anyway. That's where all of my friends were. That's where my career took off. That's where I went to school. So I was looking at actually getting my own apartment. And he was like, why would you do that when we're going to just be spending all of our time together anyway? And I said, well, it's just good to have our own places. But he kept like kind of convincing me that that was just not a rational decision to make considering the fact that I was going to be spending money, he was going to be spending money when we could be saving money and just living together.
0: When Dating Hurts is sponsored by BetterHelp. I used to think when you're facing a set of difficulties in life, you had about two options, figure it out yourself or go to a friend or family member for advice. But there is another avenue. Share what's on your mind with a licensed therapist. We can't have all the answers, but we can get to clearer thoughts by working with someone who can help us in an objective, healthy way. This is where the therapists at BetterHelp can help. If you've ever thought about trying therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's conveniently flexible and will work within your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want at no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash When Dating Hurts and get 10% off your first month. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash When Dating Hurts. When your 36-year-old friend gets the news about now we have a ring coming our way and all that, how'd she deal with that? Or was she already pushed out of the picture by two months?
1: She was already starting to get pushed out of the picture. She definitely, because she was already upset about me moving in with him. She was like, why wouldn't you just come rent one of my bedrooms, live with me for six months and see how things go and then move in with him. Right. He convinced me that she was being super manipulative, that she was just jealous, wanted all of my time. And so she was starting to already get pushed out of the picture And I was trying to still have a relationship with her because I cared about her. But if she sent me a Snapchat or a text message and he saw it before I had a chance to clear it, Mm -hmm. it would create a fight. Okay. And so our relationship really started to take a turn within two months. I mean, I was living with him. I was engaged. And I also don't have family to turn to because I am a survivor of domestic violence as a child. And so my friends were my only family, but all of my friends were not to his standards. And he convinced me that hanging out with any of my other friends that I had was going to destroy my career. Because to give you a little insight, my ex was the chief operating officer of an insurance agency. Mm -hmm. Wow. Our friends were the CEOs of the credit unions, the credit unions were his clients. We hung out with a lot of people who, were very successful in their careers. And my friends, I was at, you know, 22 at the time, were not CEOs, you know, they were all just kind of figuring life out. Mm-hmm. And he had convinced me that by hanging out with them, these other individuals were going to look down on me and it was going to stunt the success in my career, which is the one thing that was really important to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I could see.
1: I believed him because he was successful himself. Mm-hmm. I continued to stay in that relationship and things would be like really, really good. And then they would get really bad. And it started out with just the verbal abuse. Like I would work out all the time. And he would tell me that my workouts weren't going to fix the things that I needed to fix. I needed to run because that's what's going to lift my butt or that's going to be what gets rid of the cellulite on my legs and he'd kind of walk over and pinch them or say do you think your scars will ever go away or do you think they're going to stay do you think you can get rid of your cellulite would you be willing to get your boobs done for me I'll pay for them I said I didn't want to do that and he actually was very very he was like you know I do so much for you the one thing you can do for me is get your boobs done I'm willing to pay for it I ended up actually going to main plastic surgery and getting a consultation, booked the appointment, we put the $500 down, regardless of the fact that I didn't want to do this. And he would ask me almost daily, do you think I'm going to be more attracted to you once you have your boobs done? I think I'm going to be so much more attracted to you once you have your boobs done. And he would always make comments about other women's boobs when we were out and about. But at this point, I was starting to believe that this was just normal, that the way he was talking was normal. He made me dye all of my hair, like bleach blonde. He it was just not it was never enough for him. I needed bleach blonde. I needed to be tan. I needed to have my nails done. I needed to get my boobs done for him. He just was really trying to change everything that I thought that he loved about me was now being switched to what he wanted. Uh I was really starting to feel like I was worth nothing. I felt like I was ugly. I was constantly picking myself apart. We would get in fights about it because I would stand up for myself sometimes and say, if you don't like me, then why don't you just leave? And it would always turn into, it was usually a verbal fight at the time, just calling me bitch, cunt, whore, slut. I mean, those things became names that I heard every single day. I just kind of became numb to being called those things. I would constantly be reminded about how I've changed. I'm not the same girl that he fell in love with. I was always just trying to figure out like what I could do better. Then I'll never forget our first real physical fight was when Christy, that was my friend, the 36-year-old, had sent me a Snapchat. I opened it. And she was inviting me to go with her to our friend's house. Our friends had just bought a new house. They got a new dog. And she wanted me to go with them. And I was like, you know, I really, really want to go see them. Like, I want to go do this. And so I stood uh-huh. my ground and I said, I am going to do this. I'm going to see them. And he was really upset about it. And then he said, well, I'm going too. And I oh, told wow. them, I was like, well, he said he wants to go too. And she said, it's not appropriate. It's not an appropriate time for him to come. He's had multiple opportunities to meet us and he hasn't wanted to. Mm. Today is just not the right day. So I told him that. I said, oh, it's going to be actually a girl's day. And he was like, you know, my friends have always welcomed you in and your friends won't welcome me. And even though he wasn't willing to meet them and he'd always come up with reasons he didn't want to.
0: Now, is it just a day when you say girl's day or is it like a weekend?
1: It was just a day. We were just going to go up. Yeah, it was just a day. And he ended up shoving me backwards. And so I ended up shoving him back and he tripped over a chair. Well, the chair was wooden and it snapped. Well, he uh-huh. made me think that I had just snapped his leg. He told me to get the F out of here. Uh. And so I went outside in the hallway. Now I'm crying. Cause I'm like, I'm an abuser. I just broke his leg. What do I do? He was like, you're not going. Cause we have a house showing to go to. So, we're going to a house showing while he's screaming at me, telling me he doesn't know if he loves me anymore and that he doesn't know if he's going to be with me anymore. But we're going to a house showing. And I didn't end up going with my friends that day. Wow. Uh, I didn't end up getting to go.
0: So he pulled that one off, yes.
1: Yep. And my friends were obviously upset that I didn't go. Well, my friends were always trying to be there for me, but they could only be there for me for so long. Christy one day came to, you know, called me and said, Olivia, I can't care more about your life than you care about it.
2: Oh, good
0: way to put it.
1: So she said, I'm, I'm, my phone will always be open to you. And when you're ready, you call me, but I can't do this anymore. And she took a step out.
0: That's interesting in two ways. One of them is, of course, another big step in the direction of isolation, but also it's a shame that she kind of did that. But on the other hand, my phone is always open to you. That's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. That's what you want so that when you finally figure things out, which I know is going to happen because it always does in Survivor's story. Mm -hmm. Survivor eventually figures it all out and wants out, but at least you know, okay, I can still call that person rather than some people say, you know, I'm done with you. I've tried and you said you'd leave or something like that and you didn't and I'm done with you. And then you're like, you don't have that friend.
1: Exactly. And so, I mean, this is only just kind of like the beginning of how everything had started to unfold. But she was one person that I always knew was in my corner, but she wasn't going to sit there and keep trying to invite me over. She wasn't going to keep trying to have a relationship with me. Mm -hmm. It was really going to be one of those things like I'm your lifeline, but that's it.
0: The When Dating Hurts podcast is sponsored by Nom Nom. I'm a big advocate for better food for pets. When they eat healthier, they live healthier. And Nom Nom's food for dogs is full of fresh proteins a dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. Nom Nom meals are pre-portioned for your dog's exact caloric needs, so it's the easiest way to take the guesswork out of feeding your dog the best. Just tell them about your pup, age, breed, weight, allergies, and protein preferences. Get fresh, pre-packaged, totally nutritious meals delivered directly to your door for even less. Order Nom Nom today. Go to trynom.com slash when dating hurts and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. And Nom Nom comes with a money back guarantee. That means if your dog doesn't love each meal, Nom Nom will refund your first order. Nom Nom is real good food for your dog. Head to trynom.com slash when dating
1: I did lose a lot of friends who I still am not friends with to this day because of some of the things that my ex was doing. You know, my ex was trying to get some of my friends to do a threesome. And even though I didn't want to do that, he would approach them and he started messaging other women, but would convince me that I was crazy for thinking that he was trying to do anything or he messaged this woman because I wouldn't do what he wanted me to do. I didn't realize that you could be raped in a relationship. I thought when you're engaged there's just that's just not how that works, but I didn't realize that when you say no, no means no. Mm-hmm. And if somebody continues to try and then they force themselves on you regardless if you're in a relationship, that is rape. Yes. He was very very violent with me in the bedroom. He would bite me. He would pull my hair. He would like slap me until I'm purple. Just calling me awful names, and really made me feel like I was dirt. Uh. I got to a point towards the end of our relationship, things were getting pretty bad with the physical abuse. He was pushing me in corners and choking me and just throwing me around, throwing things at me. He punched me in the arm and then had me come up with an entire story about how that happened, because he made me think that he didn't mean to and it was an accident. And, you know, if I say something, he's going to get in trouble. And I didn't want that. And it was all so confusing. So he helped me come up with an entire story. But where he failed was that he was doing all of this through text messages. What I was doing is I was screenshotting them and putting them all into a vault because I Recognized this behavior from when I was a child. And I told myself I was never going to be my mother, but here I was in my mom's situation. I started keeping diary notes of what he was doing, screenshotting it, putting it into a vault. I started taking pictures and putting it all into a vault. And I started taking videos and putting it all into a vault.
0: At the point of getting punched and the things you're talking about right now, how long have you been in the relationship at this point?
1: At this point, it had only been a year okay. when he had actually punched me, and he he got us a puppy, like around that same time as like a I'm sorry, I used to get lots of gifts, golf clubs, puppies,
0: especially on the other side of abuse,
1: yeah, deliveries at work.
0: I haven't heard that you're married yet in this no,
1: so we had a wedding planned, and we were still in the planning stages of it. We had had deposits down. I still had not had my breast done yet. So this was a year into the relationship. We're still engaged. Things are starting to get really, really scary, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Then the Gabby Petito case came out.
2: Oh, yeah. That
1: was really triggering for me because I just felt like there was more to the story. I knew there was more to the story. I was like, sure, this is domestic violence. The way they were making themselves look like a picture-perfect relationship on Instagram is exactly what I was doing. I was not telling anybody about the stuff that was happening behind closed doors. Then I watched the show Made on Netflix, and I was like, okay, so if this is abuse, then this is confirming that I am being abused. Mm -hmm. But I was always like going back and forth in my head. I was convinced, well, maybe abusive kids are supposed to be with abusive kids, like kids from abusive childhoods. Maybe we're supposed to just be together. It was just, it was getting very, very weird. And so in December of 2021, Mm
0: -hmm. not long ago, yes. Not
1: long ago, December 6th, 2021, he was officially terminated as chief operating officer of the insurance agency after a sexual harassment claim was brought to them. The investigation went through and he was terminated. Okay. But he was very, very convincing, very manipulative by calling all these different CEOs and telling his side of the story. Yeah, I left because, you know, we just weren't seeing eye to eye. I wanted to bring this agency to the next level. The CEO, she didn't. And so I figured I'm just going to take a step out and find another opportunity. Uh And his story was very convincing. Uh So he's making a ton of calls. And he's telling me, you know, you cannot tell my parents about this. Like they cannot know. They have to know. They have to think that I just walked out. So his parents are asking tons of questions. And they're just like hounding us with questions. And I'm having to get my story straight with him. Then you fast forward to Christmas Eve. We are up around his family's house where all of his family lives. I get up one morning and I go to his sister's house. He didn't go. And we're talking about planning a trip to the Great Wolf Lodge. And then I said, oh, wait a second. We can't go because I forgot that he didn't have a job. And so I said, I'm going to tell you something that you cannot repeat. Like you cannot tell your parents because his parents knew he wasn't working, but they didn't know he was fired. Uh So I was like, you cannot tell anybody about this. And she was like, "Okay, what? And I said, he was fired for sexual harassment. And she was so upset and she brought me into the kitchen and told me to tell her husband. So now I'm telling his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law's first words, he's a sociopath and what are you doing with him?
2: Oh. And
1: then they were like, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is his fourth job that he's been fired for sexual harassment for. And I was like. Oh. I didn't know that.
0: That's a news flash.
1: Yeah. I had no idea at this point i'm just so confused his sister's like so you're gonna stay with him or and i said yeah i guess so then i go back to his parents house after spending the morning with them this is christmas eve his dad is outside salting the driveway and he goes okay enough i want to know the truth tell me right now what happened and i said he was fired for sexual harassment his dad was like he's a sexual predator oh okay so now brother-in-law has made a comment Dad has made a comment. This is not good. So we go into the house. His dad said he was not going to tell him that I said anything. So his dad sits down and he's like, you, I, I just don't believe you. You need to tell me your story right now. Tell me what happened. And he's like, like, what do you want from me? So his dad is yelling at him. He's texting me, blaming me for him getting yelled at right now. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. I go to the bathroom and I send my landlord a text message. And I said, I'm in a domestic violence situation and I need to get out of this. And they said, okay, well, if you can go file a police report, we can take you off the lease. I said, great. This is Christmas Eve. And I said, I need to get away from him so that I can actually make some phone calls. So I said, I'm going to go to the grocery store to grab us some things. And he said, I'll go with you. And so I was a little stressed out about it. So he gets in the vehicle with me and he's yelling at me. He's like, it's been 18 days of this. Like, do you think this is fair? When do I get to move on? And I'm just crying. I'm like, I I don't know. I go into the grocery store. I make the phone calls I need to because he didn't go in with me. Thank goodness. I get in the vehicle and he drives past his parents' house. He refuses to go back to his parents' house and he goes to a parking lot to continue yelling at me. And I I'm breaking up with you. I know uh, I've threatened this like 900 times, but I'm serious. Like, I'm done. And I got out of the vehicle and started walking while he gets out of the vehicle. He chases me, pulls me back, starts screaming at me, telling me to get back in the vehicle. I was like, I'm seriously done. I'll get back in the vehicle, but I'm done with you. So I get in the vehicle and he keeps going, are you really breaking up with me? Are you really? Because I've threatened this a, a billion times before. Uh-huh. We get to his parents' house. We go inside and he goes to so tell them. And they're like, tell us what? He goes, she broke up with me. And his dad lunges off the couch and goes, why did she break up with you? Why don't you tell us how you lost your job? And he goes from talking to girls. And I said, you were sexually harassing them and you have punched me. You've choked me. And I'm just going off on all the stuff that he's done. Oh. His mom now jumps off the couch and starts yelling at him saying like, she's the best thing that's ever happened to you. I can't believe you've done this. You need help. You get upstairs right now. We're going to start searching psychologists and therapists to help you with your problem. His mom goes over to the house door to lock it so that in case any of the family gets there before Christmas Eve dinner, nobody comes in on this. So she locks the door and I'm standing there and his dad is yelling at him. They're like, get upstairs now. And they were like, you need to go to counseling. You need to do this, this, and that. And then they all look at, well- his parents look at me and were like if he gets help will you stay with him and now everyone's looking at me and i'm like yeah sure Ugh. so they were like get upstairs right now both of you so they make us go upstairs his dad starts searching like sex addicts and all the sex addict help all this stuff while his dad is doing this he looks at me and flicks me off telling me "fuck you and so i was like you know what mm-hmm. f you and i go i get up and i like slam the door And I go downstairs, then his dad comes back down and he comes back down and they were like, just pull your act together before everybody gets here and we'll handle this afterwards. So his family comes over, he's putting his arm around me, acting like everything's great. I love you. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to work through this. So I'm just trying so hard to get through this Christmas Eve dinner. Oh, At the end of the Christmas Eve dinner, I go upstairs to pack my bag so that we can get ready to go back home. He's upstairs and he's, you know, we're going to get through this. And I was like, I'm still leaving you. And he was like, You just said you'd work things out with me. I said, Yeah, but I'm not staying with you. Your dad said you were a sexual predator. And then his mom walked in at that time. He goes, See, this is what she does. She's not staying with me. He goes, Dad said I was a sexual predator. And she goes, You're not a sexual predator. And so we go downstairs and his dad is like, I just said that because I was mad. He's not. He's a good guy, you know? guys just need to go to church and you need wow. to go to counseling. You need to stop talking to everybody about your problems. If you want to talk to somebody, you can call us. You can talk to us about your problems, but stop talking to your friends and stuff. We get in the vehicle to go back home, which is like an hour and 20 minutes. Huh. So we're driving home and he's like, we're going to work this out. It's all going to be okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the meantime, I have now texted Christy, the one who said, that she was done with me until I needed her help. Yes. And I was like, I need to get out of this situation. His parents are coming down on Christmas day. They're leaving on Monday and I need to escape on Tuesday. And she was like, all right, let's make this plan. So I'm texting with her pretty much all night into the next day. So then his parents come down to spend Christmas day with us. I'm texting like a bunch of people trying to plan things out. And He's not looking at my phone right now because he knows that he's like on the back burner at this point. Mm -hmm. We get through Christmas Day and the next day he stays home with his dad. His mom and I go shopping and she's like, I just feel so bad for him. You know, women like to make accusations about things that aren't true and they just like it for the attention. And she's going off and off and off on this. And I'm just like sitting there like, "Mm -hmm. yep, Mm hmm you're right. And we go to the store and he's texting me, like just bombarding me with a bunch of text messages. And he's like, my parents want to know what who you're texting. Like they can tell you're not trying to make this work. You need to make this work. I was like, your parents want me to make a relationship work with you after they know that you punched me and choked me and all this stuff. And he was like, stop it. You need to get over it and work things out. And just like dismissing what I'm saying. I look at his mom while we're at the store and I said, just so you know, I'm not texting anybody. I'm just talking to, well, I'm talking to my friends, but I'm not talking to guys. I'm just talking to my friends. She's like, I don't think you're talking to anybody. And so I was like, okay, great. We get back to our house where his dad and him were. I guess his dad had been yelling at him the entire time. When we walk in, his dad goes, we're leaving. I'm not staying here another day. Don't call us. Don't text us until you get your crap together. His mom and his dad give me a hug, and they don't give him a hug, and they leave. I tell Christy, I'm like, you know, I can make the move tomorrow instead of Tuesday. And she was like, why wouldn't you leave today? And I said, well, because I, I just can't. And she was like, you can. You you should leave today. So I was like, okay. So I look at him, and I said, hey, I got to go somewhere. She so he goes, where are you going? And I said, I'm, I have a surprise for you. Don't worry. Oh. The only way I was going to get out of that house was by telling him that I was going to get him something.
0: This ends part one with Olivia. Look for part two where Olivia finds out who her fiancé really is. Thanks to my guests for offering their stories on the When Dating Hurts podcast. This is your platform where victims, survivors, and others who have experience with domestic violence can freely add what they have witnessed through these stories, although challenging to listen to, we underscore the prevalence and horrific behavior of abusers over their targets and victims. With knowledge comes enlightenment and empowerment. If you feel your story should be included on this podcast, please email me at Mitchell at That's Mitchell at Thank you. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be buried in an avalanche?
2: Weird foreign feeling of despair.
0: Or how it feels to crash a skydive?
2: I remember hearing a thud, feeling my body hit the ground.
0: Or how you would react if you were being attacked by an alligator? At the end of my leg is this huge alligator head on my leg. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a victim of an attack.
2: Dragging me into the bathroom and saying, I'm going to kill you, now you're going to die.
0: You'll hear from a man who discovered a baby. How could this be? How could there be a baby on the ground? And you'll hear actual 911 calls.
1: Clanky County 911. There's a man at my back door.
2: He's trying to get in.
0: What Was That Like is a podcast about real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at What Was That Like dot com.